this is episode 347 on the 5th of april 2021 the road to the 350th episode continues the greatest talk show on the planet hosted by the most popular talk show host will celebrate with its fans the 350th episode the road to the 350th episode continues as we are only 3 episodes away from celebrating another milestone episode Welcome back. As we were discussing, the road to the 350th episode continues as the greatest talk show on the planet, hosted by the greatest talk show host ever on the planet in the galaxy in the universe, will celebrate with its fans the 350th episode. What else do we have on the plate tonight? we're going to discuss something which is abstract yet something which is taken as concrete in cricket strike rates of bowlers and batters are something which are seen as that particular sport athletes real contribution to the sport let's take an example Once upon a time cricket was perceived to be a simple game of bat and ball You see this red ball in the middle when the sport of cricket was started playing when it was invented all the dead was hold a bat in hand bowl with the ball and just play the sport for fun over the years over the past 150 years it began to be, it became complicated 
it became a game of numbers and statistics and slowly the white ball was invented the color of the ball changed when the colored clothing came about when the game went from playing with white clothes and over 5 days and on one day in the 19 on on, on one day in 1970 when people got bored with playing a sport over 5 days or it rained it became a 60 over game and subsequently a 50 over game but till then none of the commentators were referring it to as a red ball game or a white ball game they were simply saying 50 overs and 5 days but over the past decade the current crop of commentators whose experience is amateur whose style of conversation is like a rookie and because they have nothing to contribute and because their own sport was so mediocre that they have to use terms such as red ball white ball or add things such as leg spinners finger spinners and all the abstract and bizarre rules as if the color of the balls was not enough you see this picture on the top it's a pitch it's a simple dead grass grassy knoll thing the pitch is nothing more than a portion in the cricket ground which is dedicated to where the bowlers bat bowlers bowl and the batters bat the bowlers come running in and they bowl to the batter and it's an inanimate thing it's a dead thing but because of the mediocre content that the current commentators possess the pitch report has become such an important part of their discussion will the pitch turn will it bounce will it spit it has even covering of grass there would be bit of swing now they moan that the white ball doesn't swing which means after 5 6 overs or after 10 overs depending on whether it's 20 overs or 50 overs the white ball doesn't swing which means it helps the batters and the batters can score quick runs and then they moan that the red ball also swings less and because people were not interested in seeing the sport at 10 am in the morning at a time in which the five day game begins they invented the pink ball which means a day and night test match was the pink ball necessary i think not what was the alternative they could have easily said let's play in colored clothing with the white ball or for day and night cricket but no there are some people who are purists who are rigid about this who say no we have to separate the 50 overs or the limited overs in that case which includes the 50 overs and the 20 overs and separate it from the white clothing so they invented the pink ball now the pink ball swings more than the red ball or the white ball which means it skids more it has a different make it has lacquer 
these two have leather and how the pink ball is made is another story but that's the interesting thing a simple sport where bowlers come and bowl the batters have to make runs one team wins the other team loses but we get so technical about it that we have three colored ball the only sport on this planet to have conversations around the color of the ball and then the state of the pitch if you want to know more before a match start you will see all those pseudo commentators stand near the pitch knock it and say no this pitch will swing this pitch it's all speculation nobody knows what will happen there's even covering of grass no it's shaved off the curator has shaved off the grass if it's a 20 over game expect loads and loads of runs and that is how it comes across now another interesting thing that has come about is the strike rates and the averages it's like an albatross around the neck but before that before we continue into this discussion let's take a short break let's talk about strike rates a bizarre thing in this sport the only sport which is fueled by the idea of statistics now let's look at the two statistics of two different batters who are these two batters i will let the listeners decide i won't reveal their names i will let them decide now if you look at this this is the now in this test matches strike rates don't matter the only thing that matters is average because average means this guy scores around 53 runs per match and how is an average decided its number of runs divided by the innings so he has scored around 
7500 runs in 153 innings innings is different from matches because in the test match it's about 62 times this guy didn't bat you expect that since in test matches players bat twice it would be around 180 no it doesn't work like that it works in the manner that maybe there are times when this batter didn't get to bat in the first or the second innings because of the nature of the sport but he has been on the field 91 times as a fielder he has been there as a fielder the moment this player or this player steps onto the field he has done this 91 times but in this format only the average makes a difference average of 52 brilliant compare this it's not much of a difference this particular player has only played 36 matches so the difference cannot be fair but that's how it is averaging 35 and it's called modern day times it's not good enough according to me an average of 35 is brilliant it's a brilliant average but it's not good enough because there are standards set there's another player from australia who has an average of 60 plus and then there was a player who played 100 years ago whose average was 99 but how can you compare when a certain don bradman played over 100 years ago there people didn't bother about statistics and why did he have an average of 100 because half the rules that punctuate this sport the complicated rules the lbws the run outs and other things i don't think 100 years ago people even bothered with those rules so him averaging 99 i think it's not something that is special but yeah we that is the standard set that is the benchmark which decides these players whether it's the 2020s or 1920s or even the era before now average of 52 in this particular sport is billion 35 is an average average moving on in it's a middling thing between test and this lies this format and of course right now this format is nobody's favorite because on one hand there is a final of the test world cup on the other hand there is the 20 over world championship so the focus is either here or either here but let's talk about this here also it's all about average and to some extent a strike rate now why is the strike rate higher because in test matches you have more time in one days the time reduces by one day it's a one day match this is also a one day match but that is further curtailed this is eventually a match which is supposed to finish in 7 and a half hours this is a match which is supposed to finish in 4 to 5 days so 57 brilliant if you score if you, if somebody has an average of 90 it's an anomaly and then moving on averaging 60 brilliant it's good it's good here this guy averages around 49 because when a player walks the first thing that the broadcasters show is these statistics and this statistics is the way we judge a batter are these statistics enough well we do, we do the same thing in academics how many phd's does a person have or how many 
patrons has someone sign or how many marks did they score for example if you have if you are averaging if you get 60% in college it's brilliant but if you get 60% in school it's an average average it's not good enough and that's how it is he, this average means he scores 60 runs per match or per innings strike rate means number of runs divided by number of balls means he has scored 12000 runs and he has faced for example 13000 balls so it's runs divided by balls becomes your strike rate around 94 but this can change this is influenced match by match this is over 250 plus matches now look at this player he has played only 38 matches which is not enough but then that's how we judge certain players and the average is 89 strike rate 89 averaging 49 average strike rate of 90 which is good now look at this first this guy has played around 190 domestic world cup matches and that's how he's going to be judged he averages 39 after looking at all this there would be a few pseudo disappointed faces averaging 39 strike rate of 130 no 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 it's not enough it's not enough it doesn't work 130 no you need to have a strike rate of 150 it's over 190 matches and everything that's been done and this is how we judge a certain player of this sport no other sport has this kind of an impact but before we go further it's time for a time out
welcome back. Now strike rates have become have had such an impact. Now this player is popular and seen as a great because of this part and these many runs. He has scored nearly 7500 runs, 1300 runs, around 3200 runs, around 6000 runs in these four. So for me, part three and part four are part of the same universe, but we try to see it as two different entities. But this player is popular because of this. Now this player is equally a good player. He has done well, but because this is, because he hasn't played too many matches though here, he has played enough matches. But it doesn't have those kind of runs. And here his average, his average is not, it's below 50, which means below 50, not good enough. Averaging 40, no, compare this averaging 53, averaging 45, here maybe a tad better. But apart from that, strike rate of 135, is it good? And then we invent this thing called Power playovers, middle overs, final overs, how certain batters behave. Power play means the first 10 overs in 50 over matches. Then the middle overs between the 11 to the 41st over. Then the end overs, which means 40th to the 50, 41st to the 50th over. How certain players behave. But what has happened is that these pseudo experts moon that now it's all about sixes and fours there is an acceptance that if you have to be great this has to gradually increase now imagine if this strike rate was here he would have been called a mediocre player but because the strike rate is over 100 he is seen as something great something brilliant something as a legend this player is already in the hall of fame now people must be wondering who this player is once again i will leave it to my listeners to find out. Now let's discuss something even more interesting. As we all know, this is a standard bat in cricket, which has a make and a model and elements that it has to be made in this particular manner. Forget the sponsor for now. This is how a bat should be. Of course, these pseudo experts further moan that the size of the bats has changed and as I said before, the color, the, the ball doesn't swing, the pitch is flat which means the batters can hit sixes and fours at will which 20 years ago it was difficult to do. Well, 20 years ago nobody talked about this and this. Now because we focus so much on this, whether the ball swings, doesn't swing or whether this pitch is flat or not or or whether the bat the shape of the bat is changing the grip is changing there are different kinds of bat now let me ask you this is the past and the present this is how an ideal cricket bat is to be seen and the dimensions and all can be seen as uh, can change depending on the nature of the sport and how things are supposed to be. But moving on, what do you think this is? This is a baseball bat. Now you compare the size of the bats, the shape of the bat and how the bat becomes 
narrower as it goes from top to bottom. Here there is a certain uniformity in the bat. It's it's flat, then it wedges out and then it becomes flat again. But is it a possibility that the way I saw, for example, yesterday in the Pakistan match, the player was not did not have any technique as per the experts. He was just hitting, standing and delivering. He did not even think about techniques. He just went for his shots. Imagine if he gets this bad to deal with. That's how it happens. Now in this sport called cricket, there is an expectation of techniques. Which means the bowler has to come up with a run-up. They have slower deliveries, off-cutters, leg-cutters and all those variations. A batter needs to have a certain stance. He needs to tap the bat down and then go with the shot or leave the ball because that's very important that how the batter leaves the ball at what time does he, does he or she play the shot. The bowler comes up with a certain run-up. But... The bowlers might be getting frustrated with how the batters are batting. So is this a possibility going further? Now this is baseball. The batters have a stance like this, which is the stance that was exercised by the player yesterday from Pakistan. Fakhar Zaman, he was standing like this exactly. And he was just hitting without thinking. Will one day this part become this that the bowlers also say I'm also just going to just throw the ball but this is considered illegal in this this sport because as I said not only the pseudo experts the pseudo commentators but even the governing bodies are rigid there are multiple governing bodies there is an MCC ruled in England who have been there since the 1870s their laws also influence. So if a bowler was to bowl like this, he would never be given a chance. Forget coming to international cricket. He would not be in, even allowed to have this kind of a bowling stance in his school cricket or college or even before school in the backyard or as we call gully cricket. But I think this will become a possibility the way things are looking up, the way batters are shaping up. I like it for me. Fours and sixes work. I don't like batters making zero of ten balls and defending. Yes, you defend. But if you get out, you get out. In hockey, in baseball, three strikes and you are done. Will this be a possibility? Once again, see. Look at how this batter is shaping up. You know who this batter is? Forget it, that's not important. Look how the baller is coming up with a certain run-up with how he holds the ball. And then look at this, the ball, the pitcher, you, you call it a pitcher, the pitcher doesn't care. As long as he delivers the ball, that's more important. Whether he's throwing the ball, look at every, now one more thing, should Fielders in this sport wear gloves in one hand like fielders in baseball wear gloves or like a baller wears a glove. I think yes, they should because we are too harsh when a fielder drops a catch. If the wicketkeeper is allowed to wear gloves, 
I think every fielder, whatever their position is, whether outfielders, infielders, closing fielders, slips, whatever their position is, I think it's time in cricket, just as in baseball, fielders should be allowed glove in one hand. It's not cheating. A wicketkeeper wears it. Why not other fielders? And should they be protected with some kind of protective equipment? Yes, they can be. But before we discuss this interesting thing further, let's have a timeout. Back to the strike rate, the albatross around the neck. Now this is a strike rate of a batter. There's something called the strike rate and the average for a bowler. Now for a bowler, the strike rate has to be half of this and half of this means strike rate anything between 25, an average of 24 runs per wicket and a strike rate of giving 24 once or after every six overs that is if a bowler averages 30 which means the bowler takes a wicket after every five or six overs and if a bowler averages 24 which means on an average he gives 24 runs per his entire innings and the more the number of wickets a bowler takes the better it is which means an average of 35 for a bowler would be acceptable because he gives 35 runs per innings. Now there's one more thing which the bowlers have. They have something called an economy. Economy means how many runs they give per over. And that is why the statistics are becoming so important. This obsession in statistics in every domain whether it's economy, sports, academics, or any other thing. In this sport cricket for the bowlers, if in test matches, an ideal economy is around four. Though in test matches, economy doesn't matter. It's only the average and the strike rate. In ODIs and 20 over matches, it's about the strike rate and the economy, which means if in four overs, it's his debut match and over a period of matches, his average is around four, four and a half. That's considered to be brilliant. But if his average, if his economy is around seven, that's considered par. Talking about par, there's something called par in cricket. What is that? I'll discuss that very soon. Before that, let's take a short break.
Welcome back after the break. Let's start some reading section from Edgy Wells' The Time Machine. There was a minute's pause, perhaps. The psychologist seemed about to speak to me, but changed his mind. Then the time traveler put forth his finger towards the lever. No, he said suddenly, lend me your hand. And turning to the psychologist, he took that individual's hand in his own and told him to put out his forefinger. So that it was the psychologist himself who set forth the model time machine on its indeterminable voyage. We all saw the liver turn. I'm absolutely certain there was no trickery. There was a breath of wind and the lamp flame jumped. One of the candles on the mantel was blown out and the little machine suddenly swung around, became indistinct, indistinct, was seen as a ghost for a second, perhaps as an eddy of family glittering brass and ivory, and it was gone vanished save for the lamp the table was bare Everyone was silent for a moment. Then Philby said he was damned. The psychologist recovered from his stupor and suddenly looked under the table. At that time, the time traveler laughed cheerfully. Well, he said with a reminiscence of the psychologist. Then getting up, he went to the tobacco jar on the mantel and with his back to us began to fill his pipe. We stared at each other. Look here, said the medical man. Are you in earnest about this? Do you seriously believe that the machine has traveled into time? Certainly, said the time traveler. 
stooping to light a spill at the fire. Then he turned, lighting his pipe to look at the psychologist's face. The psychologist, to show that he was not unhinged, helped himself to a cigar and tried to light it uncut. What is more, I have a big machine nearly finished in there. He, he indicated laboratory and when that is put together, I, I mean to have a journey on my account. You mean to say that the machine has traveled into the future? Sent Philby into the future or the past? I don't know for certain. I don't for certain know which. Welcome back. Let's start the reading section from Karl Marx, Das Capital. The utility of a thing makes it a use value, but this utility is not a thing of air. Being limited by the physical properties of the commodity, it has no existence apart from that commodity. A commodity such as iron, corn or a diamond is therefore so far as it is a material thing, a use value, something useful. This property of a commodity is independent of the amount of labor required to appropriate its useful qualities. When treating of use value, we always assume to be dealing with definite quantities such as dozens of watches, yards of linen or tons of iron. The use values of commodities furnish the material for a special study, that of the commercial knowledge of commodities. Use value become a reality only by use or consumption. They also constitute the substance of all wealth, whatever may be the social form of that wealth. In the form of society we are about to consider, they are in addition the material depositories of exchange values.
huge value at first sight presents itself as a quantitative relation as the proportion in which the values and use of one sort are exchanged for those of another sort a relation constantly changing with time and place hence exchange value appears to be something accidental and purely relative and consequently an intrinsic value that is an exchange value that is inseparably connected with inherent in commodities seems a contradiction in terms let us consider the matter a little more closely a given commodity example a quarter of wheat is exchanged for x blacking y silk or z gold etc in short for other commodities in the most different in the most different proportions instead of one exchange value the wheat has therefore a great many but since x blacking y silk or z gold etc each represents the exchange value of one quarter of wheat x blacking y silk z gold etc must as exchange values be replaceable by each other or equal to each other therefore first the valid valid exchange values of a given commodity express something equal secondly exchange value generally is the only mode of expression the phenomenal form of something contained in it yet distinguish distinguishable from it Show you how to do it.